PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. This podcast is sponsored by Eclipse. Eclipse has helped physical therapists streamline their practices since 1985. Eclipse is a comprehensive all-in-one system that handles your billing, scheduling, and clinical documentation. Find out more at www.ineedeclipse.com or call 1-800-966-1462. The argument that patients might be harmed or be prevented from seeking care that they need from the medical system as a result of being self-referred is moot. The group of people in the self-referred group tended to have fewer PT visits. How do we get people the right care at the right time, at the right cost? And I think this paper shed some light on some things that we really should be thinking about to move in that direction. Welcome to this PTJ discussion podcast, Self-Referral in Physical Therapy. Does it matter? Using a data source of nearly 63,000 physical therapy episodes of care, Dr. Jane Pendergast and colleagues compared healthcare use by patients who were physician-referred or self-referred. Dr. Pendergast and co-author Dr. Pamela Duffy discuss their research with Dr. Michael Patrick Johnson, an advocate for direct access to physical therapy services. And now, our moderator, PTJ editorial board member, Dr. Linda Resnick. Welcome. My name is Linda Resnick, and I'm delighted to be leading this PTJ podcast discussion on a comparison of healthcare use for physician-referred and self-referred episodes of outpatient physical therapy. Today, we are discussing the article by the same name written by Jane Pendergast, Stephanie Clefairies, Janet Freyberger, and Pamela Duffy, and published online in the journal Health Services Research in September 2011. Millions of Medicare beneficiaries receive outpatient physical therapy services with costs exceeding $3 billion a year. In 2007, there were more than 160 million visits in the U.S. for outpatient physical therapy. The most common way for patients to access a physical therapist is through a physician referral, although 46 states do allow physical therapists to evaluate and treat patients without a prior physician referral. Nevertheless, Medicare and some private health insurers require that the patient receive a physician referral prior to payment for outpatient physical therapy services, essentially making the physician the gatekeeper for physical therapy. There are a few prior studies that have examined the impact of physician referral on health service use, and those that have tackled this issue did not account for factors that might create selection bias, such as illness severity and comorbidities. The paper that we are discussing today used sophisticated analytical methods to compare patient profiles and healthcare use for physician-referred and self-referred episodes of physical therapy in a large non-Medicare population of one private healthcare insurer, making this, in my opinion, the strongest and most important paper on this topic to date. So to begin, I'd like to introduce the three participants who have joined us to discuss this paper. First, we have author Jane Pendergast. Jane is professor of biostatistics at the University of Iowa and director of the Center for Public Health Statistics. Welcome, Jane. Thank you very much, Linda. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to this discussion. Great. We also have co-author Pamela Duffy. Dr. Duffy is assistant professor in the program in public health, the College of Health Sciences at Des Moines University. Welcome, Pam. 
Thank you, Linda, and I appreciate being here. And in my spare time, I also am a consultant at Wellmark Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Iowa. Thank you for mentioning that because that was the important data source for this study. Also joining us is Michael Johnson. Dr. Johnson is Division Director of the Mid-Atlantic Region for Bayada Home Health Care. He helped secure legislation that allowed for direct access to physical therapy services in Pennsylvania and has been actively involved in advocating at the state and national levels for improvement in quality and access to health care services. Welcome, Mike. Thanks very much, Linda. Appreciate the invitation and looking forward to the discussion. Great. So first, Jane, let's begin with you. For those listeners who haven't yet had a chance to read the paper, would you summarize the primary study findings? Oh, I'd be happy to do that. The study was a study based on administrative claims database from Walmart Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa and Walmart Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Dakota. And we took the years 2003 through 2007, so five years, for people aged 18 to 64 and found all of the individuals who had had an episode with a physical therapist. And then we took one per person. So if they had more than one, we randomly selected one. And that gave us a very large number, 63,000 approximately. We ended up with 45,210 people who had an episode of physical therapy that was physician-referred, and then another 17,497 that were self-referred. The principal findings were that the group of people in the self-referred group tended to have fewer PT visits about 86%, as many visits as for the physician referred. And corresponding to that, the measure of financial impact, which is called the allowable amounts, which I'm sure Pam will explain, was also about 87 cents to the dollar. We found these differences to be consistent after adjusting for key factors such as the illness severity and comorbidities, after adjusting for age, after adjusting for what type of problem brought them in for physical therapy. And we also looked at different time frames. We looked at what happened during the time frame that they were seeing the physical therapist, but we also looked at what happened in a time frame after the physical therapy was finished. And in that time period, we found no difference between the groups at all. I could go on for quite a long time, which I won't do, but our basic findings were that those who self-refer for potentially lots of reasons tend to have fewer visits and they cost the system less. And after the physical therapy visit is over, they have the same amount of resource use for that type of diagnosis as anyone else who came in through the physician-referred door. We also found that the people in general, with respect to their illness severity and comorbidity, the two groups were incredibly similar during the time frame of the year before they started the physical therapy. So I think those are the main findings. I'm sure that listeners have a lot of questions about your study and its design, but to help us understand a bit about the data source and sample, Pam, could you tell us a bit more about Wellmark Blue Cross? Thank you. I'd be happy to, Linda. Wellmark Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Iowa and Wellmark Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Dakota are private health insurance plans that insured individuals under the age of Medicare, so it'd be 64 and younger. So this is a non-Medicare population, and within the repository, we have information on claims that were submitted over the five-year period of the study, and it's a de-identified database and HIPAA-compliant 
But as Jane was saying, it is an incredibly large database, and so it made it possible for us to have a significant amount of data to analyze. Okay, so let's go to the next question. The key variable that you looked at was whether or not patients were physician-referred or self-referred. Please explain how you determine that using an administrative data set. That's an interesting question. We followed some of the structures that have been used in the literature before, but basically what we did is we first found the individuals who had a physical therapy appointment uh, claim, and then we looked back in time, and we looked to see if they had also seen anyone who could reasonably refer them to a physical therapist, and we were pretty generous with the list. We started, of course, with family practice, general practice, OBGYN, pediatrics, physical medicine, rehabilitation, things like that. But we did expand it a little bit further because we appreciate that many people may go to one provider for one problem and while they are there, talk about something else for which that provider may say, you know, a physical therapist may be able to help you with that. Let me give you a referral. And so we wanted to err on the side of including people as physician-referred if it was reasonable that they could be or somewhat likely or even just generally possible so that the self-referred group would clearly look like a group that had not seen a physician in a very long time and therefore must have self-referred. What was the time window that you used for the physician visit? We used several time windows. We started with 60 days prior to the initial PT evaluation and worked our way down like 45 days, 30 days, et cetera. And we found very, very little difference in who was classified one way or the other. And so we followed the same sort of rule that Mitchell and Lissavoy in 1997 had done and used 30 days. Okay, so this is for anyone in the group. So what factors, in addition to perceived need, do you believe contributes to a patient's decision to self-refer to physical therapy? Well, Linda, this is Pam. Let me start, and then I'm sure Michael and Jane may want to chime in. More and more consumers are educated about the benefits of physical therapy. So one of the reasons that patients self-refer to physical therapy is their familiarity with it. It might be through a family member or a friend who has obtained excellent clinical outcomes from the services of the physical therapist. I think more specifically, if the patient themselves has been to physical therapy for the same or another problem, they will likely understand the benefits from a personal standpoint, and they'll also know how to access the physical therapist's office. One other reason that a patient might access physical therapy on a self-referred basis is there are so many resources available, whether they're online or otherwise, or just through networking, to find out what the continuum of care might be for any one of a number of conditions from the most invasive surgery to conservative care to no treatment at all. And so patients are more and more educated about the best functional outcome they can receive and in the most reasonable manner that's consistent with their own values. Many patients don't want medications and they don't want surgery and they find physical therapy interventions to be important for their own healing, restoration, and quality of life. This is Mike. Pam, I think you're right. I think part of it is just that people are getting a better sense of what physical therapy can provide. One of the questions that I had, and and actually I'll back up just a second, um, to just say to the two of you who helped write this, I really thought this was terrific. It was very interesting, and I think particularly building on the previous work, the issue for access to me is really interesting. So 
One of the variables that you didn't include, and I'm sure this is probably because it wasn't there, but I'd like to ask about it, is in the study, women tended to utilize this service more, but that's not uncommon in healthcare utilization in general. But one of the other primary predictors for access to care is either socioeconomic status or education level. At least in some of the work that I've done, I might argue that education level is a proxy for socioeconomic status or the other way around. So just interested in your thoughts on that and just some clarification of why that may not have been available or if it was, why you didn't use that as an explanatory variable. Okay. From the data perspective, healthcare claims do not include too much information about things like that. But the short answer to your question is, no, it wasn't available. That is what I presume, so thanks. The question that I have related to Wellmark's allowable amount, and this is just a clarification that I didn't see it in the article, was at all of the sites where physical therapy services were rendered, was the allowable amount the same? Or with contracted rates, was the allowable amount different depending on the site, whether it was hospital-based or freestanding? And if so, what impact did that have on the cost? Well, the allowable amount does not include any variances in contracts with hospitals or providers. It's based on a set fee schedule per procedure. And that would be consistent across settings. And because we use services that were considered physical therapy, it's coded into the claim system and then the repository as what represents physical therapist services. So that would have been the same across settings. Okay, so any variation in that wasn't an issue. Right. Correct. Michael, I checked with the data source, too, on this and found that everyone had the same physical therapy benefits, the same maximum number of visits, things like that. So their benefit was the same. Perfect. And that's very helpful because then we really are sort of comparing apples to apples. That's right. Right. As best as we can, we believe that allowable amount best represents a proxy for cost. So now I'd like to ask the group really to talk about the policy implications of the study findings, and anyone can begin. I'll be happy to start. This is Pam. Because of the significant trend in musculoskeletal injuries and conditions across the United States, the cost of services, even if it's the difference of one visit between the self-referred and the physician-referred visits, again, not speaking to outcomes, but just at cost level, I think this multiplies to be a significant impact in the healthcare system in general. I also think that for states that are trying to get direct access legislation or modify theirs, the argument that patients might be harmed or be prevented from seeking care that they need from the medical system as a result of being self-referred is moot. This study really helps them address some of the legislative initiatives that they may have proposed. And I'd like to add, too, that we also looked at their involvement with other physicians during the time frame that they were seeing the physical therapist, and there was very little difference there as well. Both groups were actively engaged in seeing other health professionals during the same time they were in physical therapy. And Linda, this is Mike. In addition to what Pam and Jane have both had, which I completely agree with, is we know that one measure of quality is timely access to care, and particularly around musculoskeletal conditions. The longer a condition goes untreated, low back pain probably being the best example, the more likely it is to move into chronicity and therefore increase associated costs. The article didn't say that self-referred folks got to physical therapy sooner. We don't have that data, but there's a fair amount of growing evidence about the delay in being able to get even primary care physician visits. You could argue that 
if you get to the physical therapist and save that physician visit, not only do you save the cost, but you probably save the time. And so quicker, more timely access to care is the supposition I would make that we could say from a policy perspective, that downstream could increase quality and decrease cost. Very good points. Now, what type of media attention has the study received to date? Well, the APTA did issue a press release regarding the study, and there have been multiple inquiries to APTA about the study, and as an author, I've also received an inquiry, so I do think it is gaining some attention as important health policy research. And what can physical therapists do to help disseminate the findings of this paper? I think sharing the paper... Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, and I was going to say sharing the paper, but particularly in my experience in talking to legislators, specifically at the state level, you know, where the direct access to legislation battles have been fought. My experience has been state legislators, national legislators as well, but state legislators are fairly approachable and I think would be amenable to looking at this type of research and helping them make some decisions about what's best for their constituents. I think sharing this type of information with policymakers, specifically legislators, to help them understand that as they're struggling for ways to increase quality and decrease cost, which is you know, a difficult challenge. This may be one small step in that direction. And I think sharing it with the payer community, whether it's organizations of payers or individual local health insurance companies, so that any barrier to access can be removed and patients can access care as quickly as possible, as we stated earlier. So what are some of the next steps in research on self-referral? as compared to physician referral? I think there are a couple of things that we could do with other funding structures, I suppose. People could do more, but within our own database, what we could do is try to profile the people who come back for repeat visits. If we use the same algorithm for physician referred to self-referred, would we find, as others have, that people are more likely to self-refer, as Pam said, after they've developed a relationship with a physical therapist the first time? Also, I'm interested in looking at what happens right after their initial evaluation. We found that a slightly higher percent of the self-referred cases were single visits. And I don't know why. I mean, that may be because it was a simple problem. It could also be that the physical therapist said, this isn't something that we can help you with. You need to go talk to a doctor. I don't know. But we could look at their pattern of care right afterwards and see if something would show up there. There are a couple ideas. Jane, I like those ideas. I'm also really interested in any differences in the two groups post-surgery. So if we can further evaluate the post-op care between the self-referred or physician-referred. And I think Janet was interested in looking at medication use. Is there a lot higher proportion of people that are on painkillers in one group than the other or muscle relaxants or whatever? Well, before we wrap up this conversation, this is a good time for each of you to make some brief closing remarks or observations on the discussions we've had today. So, Jane, would you like to begin? All right. I just am happy to be part of this discussion and There's a lot of information in the paper and a lot we haven't talked about, but I'm happy that we are able to get the main points out in this conversation and have appreciated the comments of Michael and Pam and and Linda, you, for making this an enjoyable discussion. And I just have to give 
all due credit to the researchers at the University of Iowa. Dr. Pendergast is really renowned for her work, and this is the first study published out of the Wellmark Data Repository and through the collaboration with the University of Iowa. And I think because it is such a large database, it did take some time to get this first one out. But I think now that they have the experience working with the database, I'm sure that there's more work that we can do as we outline in future research. I guess I'll jump in and close by saying, you know, as somebody who's been looking at this issue of access for a long time, I thought the research was well done. And so because of the results, I think there's a perfect opportunity to talk to policymakers about looking differently at providing early access to physical therapy services. And to Pam's earlier comment, absolutely talking to payers as well. You know, we're struggling with this issue of how do we get people the right care at the right time, at the right cost. And I think this paper shed some light on some things that we really should be thinking about to move in that direction. So it was terrific. And I really appreciate the work of the authors and the opportunity to be on this discussion. In closing, I want to thank each of you for participating in the podcast discussion and thank all of the study authors for this excellent piece of research. Health Services Research is a prominent journal in health services. It has a broad readership, and I trust that the paper will be disseminated widely through the scientific community. I hope that our conversation has helped to disseminate the findings from this important paper to the physical therapy community and the consumer community. I'm looking forward to seeing more from your team and more research on this topic. So thank you very much. Thank you, Linda. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, Linda. Send us your comments or suggestions about this or other PTJ podcasts via email, ptj at scienceaudio.net, or voicemail, 626-593-7825. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. Thanks for listening.